yo, Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. Is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel. And it's early. Yeah, we're, it's we're early. recording at 7, p- 7 a.m. <laughs> Rachel, that's enough coffee. That's enough. I'm sick. What kind of sickness do you have? Don't worry, I took a COVID test before I came in. No, nah, you probably got it. Let me tell you something. We are talking before this, and we were talking about COVID outside. And you guys got to take COVID seriously. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people not taking COVID seriously anymore. You think people have gotten too comfortable with it because they have a better understanding of it? Alea took her mask off. She used to, oh, no, no, no. We just had a whole 20 million conversation. We just had the generational wars out there. Alea used to always wear a mask. She's taking her mask off. You were the person that I looked to for seriousness, for inspiration. She always had the mask on. What happened? What happened is that today I have to have a lunch with people. So I decided that I'll not wear my mask. So, but And also it's 7 in the morning. Yeah. Come here. Come yes, Van, Van called us here at 7 in yeah, the morning. Yeah, you called us all here at 7 in the morning. No, 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 no. Didn't call you guys. I asked you if you could do it. I said, I I asked you, and if you couldn't do it, then we wouldn't do it. Like After the the conversation y'all were having before, would you have been comfortable saying no? (laughs) No! Exactly. 100%. And also, my mask is right here. First of all, (laughs) tell you something right now. I'm sick, and I felt uncomfortable saying no. Let me tell you something. You guys, this is, okay, first of all, we're not going to have that conversation that we're having online. Look, this is the job, guys. This is the job. Your job, Alea, is to lead by example by wearing your mask. <laughs> and if you don't have it on, if you don't have it on, I don't take COVID seriously. How about that? Like, I, I've told I would like to see what accountability you have for COVID because, sir, I haven't seen you wear a mask once since I've known you. And also, you come in here sick all the time. See, so he does. You leave your tissues around. But here's, but here's the thing, though. I'm at, but this is the thing. See, that's a, that's a, I'm asking you to be better than me. I'm looking to you for guidance. I already am. My mask is right here. This is the one time you see me without a mask. I think this is the first time you ever see my face. It's very true. Welcome to the Thursday pod, y'all. This I'm telling is, you guys right this now. Is, maybe this is why we shouldn't do 7 a.m. 7 a.m. is people, lit. People are a little cranky. They came in here. Still wiping the crust from their eyes. I, I, we're not, I, I, we're didn't, not I didn't write. What did I have on when I came in here? iPads. See what I'm saying? The eye patches. I had the eye like, patches. By the way, them bitches don't work. I like it's so much stuff I'll that they just good ones to use. there's so much stuff that they're just like throwing onto you women in the beauty no, situation. No, no, no. I'll give you some good ones to use. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's just not gonna work. I, I have something I want to say to people. Just have to address camera real quick because this is very important, Rachel. That I say this to everyone. Just get to it. Just ask for the favor. Have four or five different conversations this week with people who want me to do stuff. How your mama doing? How's the dog? Blah, 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 blah. The 30 minutes later, can you do this? I ain't got time. I'm getting old. Okay? Right, you never call me to check on me. You don't call me to check on me. You don't give a fuck how I'm doing. You need something. Just ask for it. It's Okay. I'm either going to do it or I'm not. The 15 minutes that we spent on the phone is not to make me feel better because I'm going to say no and I'm going to say yes. It's to make you feel better. I don't have time for your feelings anymore. Ask for a favor. Get to it. Okay? 
All favor conversations, I'm putting a limit. All favor conversations shall not exceed 90 seconds. Van, what's up? How you doing? Cool. I need something. Boom. All favor conversations shall not exceed 90 seconds. Because in the future, if I feel like you're calling just to check on me and then you ask me for something, I'm going to call it out in real time. Sick of it. I don't have time. I got the Vision Pro. I got Bozeman. It got brand new games releasing on the PS5 <laughs> and awesome. coming out on the... I got a right. I got all kinds of stuff. I got... There, there, there's movie production going on. There's podcasts, several different ones. There's conversations with people that I like. There's the playbook. There's the BBI. There's a lot of things that are important to me. You making yourself feel better about asking for favors, not one of them. That's it. That's all I got to say. I have to say it. Get to it. Rachel calls up. Rachel gets right to it. Fan, what the blah, blah, blah. boom, done. Then we then after we talk, after we get at me this and Rachel, <laughs> after we, we get this to our business, true. then we talk for an hour just about dumb shit. How about that? I'm sick of it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going it's not about there. sorry. Cause it's not, there's no judgment. I know it's odd for it's 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 awkward for people. It's awkward for people to ask for help or ask for a favor or ask for something. It's awkward. I get it. I'm saying you don't have to be awkward with me. Just ask. Just ask straight up. Just, hey, 90 seconds, man. 90 fucking seconds. You ask for your favor. 90 fucking seconds. I give you some flavor. Fuck it. Donnie. What up? Tell the people what's going to happen after today's podcast. I'm going to be going on paternity leave. <laughs> uh, preparing to be a, a parent. How the long process is that going to last? Start. It'll be six months. I'll be back in September. September 1st. Bonding time. Special bonding time. It's a fucking Looking joke. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I think that's great, Donnie. Thank you. I, I, I'm sure your wife appreciates that. Oh, yeah. She definitely does. I'm going to be there for the preparation of the... Because due date is coming up very soon. Um, we are having a boy. Super excited. Um, and the this whole experience has been interesting. And the closer we get to it, the more, uh, I think, reflective I'm getting. Um, and I'm honestly super looking forward to this time being able to spend it with him because um, we've been trying for a long time. It's been, a, it's been a process. And getting here and crossing this finish line is dope. Dope is like an understatement. I mean, it's amazing. And that's an understatement. Aww. But um, yeah, I uh, unmoved. I can't wait. You can I cry. You can cry, Donnie. I, Donnie, I can are, hear it. Are, are I can you? Hear are it. You want to cry? <laughs> you, you're feeling. <laughs> and I'm so I happy do. for you what's guys. Your, what's your son's name going to be? Junie. Junie James Beecham. Junie James Beecham. Yeah. So you think it was appropriate to give him a slave name? Junie is. You think Junie is a slave name? No, I Junie don't. Junie is Donnie. definitely a slave name. Junie is. Junie, for sure I got a slave that name. from. Junie or Walter Junie Morrison of the Ohio Players slash Parliament oh, really, Funkadelic. Okay, so this is what I would say. Yes. This, is what, this is what I would say. This is what I would say. So, the Ohio Players, what year was this guy born? 
Not during slavery. He wasn't, but he was born <laughs> no. in the era. So his name was Walter Jr. So he was born... Probably like the 40s, 50s. He was born in 1954, yeah. okay? So he was born in an era where... No, Donnie, don't let him do this it was, to you. It was still Jay connected was to super it. super cute. Right? See, it's short for Junior. He was the youngest member of the Ohio players when he joined. No, I'm and not saying it's they not... were like, it's just a short for Junior. Black people are super creative. I, and this is an, another example super of creative junior just making junior. junior. Yeah, I think we've had better innovations. Yeah. You know what I'm going to name my son? <laughs> like when I have a son, Donnie, I'm going to name my what? son Chicken George Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. Sponsored by uh, churches. Uh, sponsored by churches is Texas Chicken. <laughs> I, look, Donnie, all seriousness, bro. So excited for you, man. We're going to miss you, but Ashley's going to fucking hold it down. The court queen is going to be around doing the thing. It's a big, big moment for court queen. She's now the court queen of the show. Is Ashley there? I sure am. Court queen. Donnie's going to be gone. Okay. And mm-hmm. Smashly slash court queen. It's your time. All right. It's your time to go for the My time to shine. Your time to go for the job. Don't replace me. It's Ashley's cut. <laughs> Ashley, Ashley, I was trying to tell Ray this earlier. It's cutthroat out here in these fucking streets, man. Do all you should be going crazy, going all kinds of shit, man. Do all kinds of Let's different go, shit. Man. But I'm <laughs> trying to. I'm, Nobody's listening to you right now. What well, Ashley's listening? Do you don't think she's thinking this? Ashley, Ashley, you're thinking about. <laughs> you're thinking about. About taking Donnie's spot, you are. It <laughs> no, is the way that it goes, man. It is actually. It is the way that it goes. Nah, Donnie. But you know what? Good for you, Donnie. Ex- as excited as I am for you, and I absolutely believe you should take every month you have. He you should, should also be a little nervous. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. A little, little bit. A little nervous. <laughs> you never know. I mean, you, what? What if things? What if things work better? You know. Mm. What if? What if Ashley? You know, week two, Ashley gets the hang of it. And then Ashley. Hopefully they do. Yeah. Hopefully they do. <laughs> I'll come back to a brand new but still very well oiled machine, and we'll keep it going. Keep well, that improvement going. Well, oiled. I, I hope it's best. Yeah. yeah. Um. Very excited for you, Junie Beecham. Junie James. Junie James Junie Beecham. James. So cute. That's that's the name of a defensive back. How come we always got to make them play sports, Junie? You know what? Junie is a good politician name. Hey, vote for me. I think, yeah. Junie. I can see that. Junie. I don't know if I would want him to be a politician. Yeah, I honestly, wouldn't either. Because I'm his godfather, right? I should be able to christen him. <laughs> <laughs> just keep laughing, Donnie. Oh, just laugh, yeah. <laughs> y'all have a very low opinion of me. Fuck y'all, man. Let me tell you something right now. Uh, I'm going to have a son. Well, I don't know. I have a son or a daughter. And then uh, if I have a daughter, I'm going to name her Hattie. Gladys, Hattie, Ruth. Ruth is always Queenie. Let's take it back to the old school names. I've changed on this. I've totally changed. I like Junie. Let's take it back to the old school names. We need a whole fucking generation. Kizzy, Hatties, Kizzy. Shout out to Gertrude, Trudy, Trudy, Gertrude, Trudy. Definitely had that name. Lizzie, we need a whole, we need to bring it back, man. Like, don't we need to bring it back? I feel like we need the Maddie. <laughs> Let's take it back. Fuck it. All these names is not working for people anyway. All these these new names is too. Let's take it back to our roots, man. Fuck. All right, it's time to talk about Diddy, goddammit. 
It's the big deal of the day. Look, the only reason why this is the big deal of the day is because people are obsessed and people can't stop talking about it. You saw my message in the group chat. You don't give a fuck I said, enough. Enough. I'm sick of the shit. It's not Diddy. It's more of like, Diddy's the main topic and I think that should be discussed just because of his presence or what he means to the culture. But it's all the side conversations that are coming underneath it that I'm like, I'm over it. Side conversations brought to you by Church's Texas Chicken. You know what we're going to do here? <laughs> Are you, I still haven't seen that anywhere. It's Texas Chicken. It is. <laughs> I want to do something here. Van Chicken Nigga Lathan. I want to have a Church's Texas Chicken taste off. No. I do. I don't like Church's. I don't like it either, but they've rebranded. The question is, have they sure retasted it? Right. You sure? Church's Texas, Texas chicken. chicken. It's so hilarious to me. It's like, you know what I'm saying? It's like McDonald's French burgers. It's the same shit. <laughs> We've been on that shit. We, I don't know why they rebranded the name. That's so, why do you know that? Because I seen a commercial for it. <laughs> it was, who you think was in the commercial eating the chicken? Us. Black man. <laughs> Black man tearing that Texas chicken up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big deal of the day on the other side of this. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Diddy has been hit with another lawsuit accused of sexual assault and harassment by a male producer. $30 million. Rodney Little Rod Jones, producer on the Love album, which everybody loved, by the way. Yeah, they did like that. Uh, music dropped. Has filed a lawsuit in federal court. Uh, he alleges several things. He says that he's seen Diddy engaged in serious illegal activity. Claims that uh, Puff... Forced him to solicit sex workers, some underage, and pressured him into having sex with them. Claims that some of the sex workers were given drinks laced with drugs at Combs' direction. Uh, says that he was shown a sex tape of a man that he believed to be Stevie J. who's a longtime collaborator of Diddy's. Worked with Diddy, one of the hitmen back in the day. You know Stevie J from uh, reality TV. And says that he there was constant, unsolicited an unauthorized groping and touching of his anus. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay, let me tell you why. Please. I, I can explain that laugh. Okay. I can explain that laugh. That's not funny. No. Okay, at all. It, I can explain that just because the anus part of it. The word makes you laugh? It, it's... How do you grope somebody's anus? When you t- are you touching their butt? Yeah, I think I think it's like a 
But that's like you get into the hole, though. It's not funny, guys. But when I first read it, I thought, how do you grope someone's anus? Right? Are you, is he, you're doing, you're going up. I think you, I think you, it's a little, I don't know. On the under, I'm just, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Um, He also alleged that Puff was grooming him to pass him off to his friends. Um, there's just a lot of shit in this, guys. I'm not it's going through it. It's 75 pages. Yeah, it, it's, 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 he talks about young Miami's cousin. He talks about Cuba Gooding Jr. He talks about two other people who they redacted the names. A couple other people, they redacted the names. He talks names. about Justin Combs. He mentions the CEO of Universal Music Group. Those are names that aren't redacted. Right. These people are named in the suit. Yeah, they're, like na- they're, named. they're, they're named defendants. Yeah. He also mentions people by description, who it's very easy to tell who he's talking about. Which is wild to me. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go through that redacting the name, then you have to redact the the corresponding sentence that describes or the footnote at the bottom, mm. which is how we get to the meat meals of it all. So we'll talk about that a little bit later because a lot of people are making uh, the connection between you know Usher, Meek Mill, whoever. So look, I'll say this. There's a backstory to this. This same producer, Lil Rod, um, had been having a publishing issue with Diddy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he had taken to his uh, his Instagram some months ago to tell people that he was starting to go fund me to sue Diddy over his publishing. And then this $30 million lawsuit comes out. Mm-hmm. Connect those two things. Do you think that this is a serious lawsuit or do you think that there's frivolity to it based upon a business dispute? I mean can't both be true because mm. it could be that because he he probably said, listen, I traveled with you for, you know, over a year as we were working on this album. I lived with you in New York and Miami and LA. I don't think that, that those facts are disputed. And I was privy to some of this information or I witnessed some of these things. Or some of these things happened to me. I don't want to go here, but I will if you don't handle this situation. I'm going to get paid one way or another. It could be. I don't know. This is all speculation at this point. I will say that since he has filed this lawsuit and it's become so public and so many people have read it and have had their opinions on it, one of the accusations has already been disproven. Mm. I mean, one of the, the Stevie J, he, because also in the, within this lawsuit, he, there are pictures, uh, st- screenshots of um, videos or things like that. And one of those was Stevie J with another man. And the person who is really in that came out and said, that's me. And other people even noted, this is a scene from this movie that this porn star was in. Mm. So certain parts of it are already being challenged. So I don't, I, I don't, to answer your question, I don't know. Hmm. So this is what I would say about that. He alleges that Puff showed him a video and claimed that the guy in the video was Stevie J. I mean, he knows who Stevie J is. He could look at it as well and tell if it was Stevie J. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just saying, but like maybe, maybe not. The allegation is that he showed me a video and Stevie J is in the video. The picture that they showed was blurry. That we saw. That we saw. Like he showed me a video and said, hey, this is Stevie J in this video uh, and this is how we get down or this is whatever this happens in the music business. That might have actually happened. 
Like that might have actually happened. Like he might have been shown a video of him been told that it was Stevie J. Materially, the fact that it's not Stevie J there doesn't really change the accusation. What it changes to me is the seriousness of the actual lawsuit. That's what I'm saying. Right. So yeah. So I guess we're we're on the same point. What yeah, I'm like, saying is, yeah, what I'm just... saying is, I'm not saying that he wasn't because a lot of people are looking at it as like, oh, he says that Stevie J is involved in this, and that means that the this incident that he's saying about being shown this video didn't happen. I'm not saying that. No, but it takes away a little bit of, of credibility. This, oh, yeah, because if you put it in a lawsuit and you say that it's Stevie J, yeah. that means that this lawsuit isn't well vetted and it becomes a less serious doc- document when there are inconsistencies like that. I think we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And there are other things in here that are in the lawsuit that are um, uh, being disproven according to Puff's people. There are some women that have been pointed out as underage right. in the lawsuit that uh, Puff's representatives are saying... They have come out and said that this is me. They, they've come, hey, this is me in that picture, blah, blah, blah. Now look, obviously, bread can get thrown around, blah, 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 blah. This is what I'll say. There's enough smoke for anybody to want to believe anything that they want to believe about Puff at this point. Yeah. And it's, the, the problem is, when you get to this type of, uh, when you get, get in the type of situation that he's in, when, you're, when your reputation has taken this much shrapnel, it's difficult for people to come out and defend you and say that none of these things happen, right? Uh, but at the same time, if you're looking at just this, there have been lawyers on the internet, people that I trust, people that are, leave no space for sexual assault or harassment that have said that this lawsuit is a mess, that it's a mess and it seems like a hit job and it doesn't seem serious. It seems it's thrown together and it, it seems to a lot of people to be a money grab. Just, just being honest, guys. Well, we don't know, but I, I from seventy-five pages, the pictures, the it doesn't seem you to use your word well vetted, and it doesn't mean that some of this isn't true or all of it's not true. It just the way it's put together, coupled with his public accusations of not getting the money that he deserved from his work on that album, it just it. It appears messy. Yeah. We'll just say that. But I also don't want to, because we don't do that on the show, take away from the victim or blame the victim in any of this. It's just the lawsuit as it is, if you're looking at it on its four corners, it just doesn't, certain things don't make it seem as credible as it could be. Right. Now, look, I'll say this. It seems clear that there was a lifestyle being had over there uh, that made people feel unsafe that made people feel like they were compromising themselves. There's no way to get around it. I believe it. There's no, there's there's absolutely no 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 way to get around that. It seems that there was a lifestyle being led by Puff and there was activities and all allegations. We have to say that we we'll make sure that we keep uh, keep out of the crosshairs. But there was a lifestyle being led over there that had a lot to do with drugs, had a lot to do with alcohol, had a lot to do with um I mean, there are other things in here that are like really, really direct. There's an allegation that there was somebody shot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, people were told in the studio to say he was shot outside because uh, we don't want it to come back to us. They, they shot out standing outside the studio. You know, that case was, it's a real case that happened. Yeah, and he's claiming 
the, that he has clothes from the incident. And DNA that would be on those clothes. So we're not saying, I'm not saying that there's nothing in here that isn't true. Right, right. I'm saying it does look like a tool to settle a different business dispute. Yeah. Um, and the reason why you would talk about that is because if you talk about the case, you have to talk about it from a 360 view. Uh, because I don't think that any minds are not made up on Puff right now. I think that, um, I, I doubt that there's a road back for him. No, no, no. no there's not a road. And, yeah. he, and it's actually allowing more people to feel comfortable to tell their personal stories. Yeah. Columbus Short. Um, Columbus Short talked about he, stuff. He talked yeah. about it. it. He must have done it recently, right? I can't I couldn't tell from the podcast. Out. It didn't seem like it was an old podcast. It seemed like it happened like in the last month. But he's telling his story about an incident that he had. There were rumors that he had heard. He had an incident and it just kind of confirmed to him. He felt that he was trying to be groomed, that that Puff was trying to groom him in a, in a phone conversation that he had. So it, I can't imagine how you would get back because as I said, whether some of this is true or all of this is true, there was clearly something that has been going on for years mm -hmm. surrounding Diddy. Well, I mean, and it, and at a certain point, you know, when uh, the viability of his music interests were gone, when it really wasn't about music anymore, you know, there was a point in Bad Boy where every single record that they did, they were on this crazy streak, every single record that they put out, every single single, every single album went gold or platinum. They were just killing it, right? And he was very viable musically. That viability hasn't really been around for a very long time. Okay, but what he has turned into, what Puff has turned into, is uh, a lifestyle ambassador. Yeah. So Ciroc is decent to drink, you know, but it's really not about that. It's about these pick these 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 uh, commercials with us, and we're in Vegas, and we're the new Rat Pack, and the Ciroc. This it's a lifestyle brand. Right. Um. Uh, De Leon is a little bit different. Uh, it tastes like gasoline. So it's difficult to to <laughs> to do the same thing, but um, uh, it's a lifestyle brand. It's a lifestyle brand. Sure. It's like, it, and so I can't think of more of a more debilitating set of circumstances for someone who is selling lifestyle. Yeah. Because what all the speculation, uh and all of the allegations that are surrounding Puff, uh, what they put under the microscope, what they call into question, is the lifestyle. Uh, is it a lifestyle of exploitation, of sexual right. assault, of human trafficking, um, of all of those things? And so once you dig into it more, you know, it's like the dark side of Ciroc or whatever. Do you think there will be more? Yes. More people filing lawsuits? Yeah. Well, I just saw... Um, Oh, it's a woman. She was saying that she was going to sue Diddy because she refused to do the things that he asked for and it ruined her entire music career. Something red. Tiffany Red. Thank you. By the way, let me tell you something. I want to have, I reached out to Tiffany Red some time ago. Uh, I want to have Tiffany Red on the podcast. We have to figure out when we schedule it. Shout out to Tiffany Red. I had a conversation with Tiffany Red. The conversation that we were talking about really had nothing to do with any types of. Uh, allegations mm -hmm. against anybody for um, sexual assault or whatever like that. Uh, what it had to do with she was talking about 
um, I, uh, Isaac Hayes put me onto her. What she was talking about is just the way songwriters are treated in the music industry. Interesting. And uh, some of your favorites and how they steal credit and publishing from people who made their life writing songs. Yeah. And so uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting conversation. It's something I never thought about. I got I've Tiffany's, actually heard that before. I, though. I got Tiffany's information and um, we're trying to figure out the schedule. I haven't been back in touch with her, but I would love to have her on the podcast because she just has a lot of information about the music industry stuff that I had no clue about. So shout out to Tiffany Red. I would love to have her on pretty soon. Um, look, there's another fallout from this. Meek yesterday on Twitter got to talk about it. We have to. So here's the deal. Apparently Meek was busy when all of the chatter was going on about this because people were talking about some stuff that was happening in the in the lawsuit because in the lawsuit it says that there were underage girls and relationships that Puff has. Two separate things. In the lawsuit it, it alleges that there was a rapper from Philadelphia who was in a relationship with Nicki, Mada- Nicki Minaj that both had a sexual relationship with Puff and had gotten underage girls from Puff. It wasn't just him they said it about. They said it about a singer who had had done the Super Bowl. And we know who they're talking about. Right. The internet deduced that this was Meek Mill. And the joke started flying. Because there's nothing that people like anything more to do than speculate on somebody's sexuality. I know. It's the favorite thing. Once they think that you are gay, particularly if you are a black man, the jokes are going to fly. He was literally accused in the lawsuit of sleeping with underage girls. And 95% of the jokes and the criticism that I saw had to do with whether or not he was gay. Right. So at least from what I saw, there had to be, there was a clear, a clear choice in what people wanted to throw their jokes and their criticisms on. Now, I did see some people saying that, hey, this is a whole thing, underage right. girls and all of that, but most of the thing was, is Meek gay? Meek went nuts once he got word of it. Uh, I don't understand his tweets. Like, they're, I have to read them like three times. You read, read Meek's tweets. No, I'm not reading the. Read them. Read Meek's tweets. Read, All right, Meek, so Meek, Meek is, Meek he's is. He's hot. He wakes up, whatever he's doing. Didn't mm-hmm. see it. Says, read his tweets. No man or what. Does he mean what? I don't know. No man or what ever approached me about gay activity in the whole place. Don't get flipped. Woke up seeing this on every blog like they know I'm coming. Laugh out loud. I change laws for our people. I donate millions. They are designed to destroy the image of black leaders. It can't work with me, though. You got to really kill me. And I still will get bigger after death. This God, not me. Laugh out loud. Okay, this is the, this this last one is key. This is me directly. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> no, this is me directly responding to what people are saying about him. This was this is the one. Go ahead, Rachel. Take it away. <laughs> When I got a girl around me, I'm fucking her twice a day. Laugh out loud. Ask some of your favorites. Pussy don't control me, but it's like a high. One love to the gay people, but that juicy pussy. Do it for me. 
I done ran red lights to get that feeling. Y'all weird on here like devils. <laughs> I want to go home. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man. <laughs> Me. Stop. Come on, bro. Look, if you want to. Mind you, Usher's been silent. It's just Usher's been silent. Usher's been silent. Look, bro, come on, man. Look, this is, this is the deal. Number one, bro. Seriously, you might want to also say I've never been with any underage girls. Yeah. Skip that part. You might want to also say I've never <laughs> been with any underage part. girls. Okay? I'm not saying anything in this lawsuit that's being said about anybody is true. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is, is there is no way. There's one thing you can't convince people of. And that is? That you're not gay. Once people think or want to think that, homophobia is so strong that once people have that in your mind, that's it. You can't, and the worst way to do it, if you're going to do it, is to be like, yo, I get pussy all the time. But why does, why is that always the response? Like, that's what I don't understand. Why can't, okay, you're, there's this accusation of you. Mm-hmm. Why are you about to laugh? Because, you know what, you know what, you know I'm about to laugh? What? I'm about to laugh because... I can't, I'm about to laugh. I'm a, I'm laughing because that's programmed in me as well. So that's how you would respond. That juicy pussy do it for me. I wouldn't say that juicy pussy do it for me, but <laughs> I can think of times on this podcast where there've been things that have come up and I've been like, hey, not me. Okay. It's just this, this it, it's the, the homophobia is me. so ingrained in us. We would almost rather anyone think anything about us rather than to think that we're gay and you have to do work on yourself and that's what I'm to be comfortable enough to be like, hey, not, like whatever people think, whatever people, it, that he said that his manhood was in question. I'll tell you guys right now, I'm sorry. Like the gay man that you share your community with, they're just not less of a man than you. Exactly. That's what I was trying to say. It's like, why does this have to be the response? I know we've kind of delved into this on the podcast before, but why is the response, one, that I'm that you're not a man, you must not be a man if you're gay, and two, that to prove your manhood, you got to be fucking t- two, five, whatever times a day. Like, that makes you a man. That's what I'm tired of seeing. You are not a man just because you have a lot of sex or you're running red lights to get it. Running red lights to get it. I think he was you know, saying, you know, he loves but th- it. But he's not but alone in that. He's that's not definitely all, not alone in it. That's, that's what people, like, that's what, that's what you got to talk man, about how you, how you are with women and how, and it's always got to be sexual to prove your manhood. It's just, I'm over that. Right. Oh, to prove your heterosexuality. Yeah. yeah. So, my man, my son, shout out to my son. My son said he warned people. Um, he said, look, be careful what you say about people on the internet because, uh, you know, people will die behind their name. And I'm like, look, I commented in my shit. Mice is a lot of great words. Shout out to Mice and Tamika. Tamika and Mice and everybody. Tiffany Lofton, Phil, Dream Defenders, Black Men Bill. Shout out to everybody out there doing that work. Um, I'm saying this. If you harm somebody, 
over jokes on the internet or if you die over jokes on the internet, that's natural selection. If you're willing to die because somebody is calling you gay on the internet, we need you gone. Oh, God. I'm saying, what did, what did Umar say? Donnie, put it in. But I want to be clear. I know some of us love our children, but some of our children are so far gone that we're going to have to put some of them to sleep in order to take <laughs> back the neighborhood. Some of y'all don't oh want to hear that because you don't live in reality. But I'm telling you, you as a psychologist, like I'm not going to be able to psychologize all of them on the corner. Some of them going to sleep for God! <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that ending. That is funny. <laughs> Just the last, just the last 10 words. I'm telling you. Just the last 10 words. I'll start yelling at you like that. All of them on the corner. (laughs) Some of them going to sleep. Fuck God! (laughs) (laughs) He's had enough. He's had enough of y'all. That's that's where that energy comes from. I'm not not saying that I agree with that. (laughs) But what I'm saying is, if you're willing to kill or die, because someone says that you're gay on the internet, you might need to go to sleep. <laughs> For how long? For good! <laughs> For good. How have you not told us about this before? That's what Mars Green is here. You guys, we got to talk about our masculinity and all of that. Look, I get it. You don't want people to think things about you that aren't true. I understand that. I get it. I I, I understand. Hey, Listen, this stuff isn't true. Responding to allegations is one thing, but I just feel like it's, you're overdoing it, spending a whole day on it. Yes. Come on, man. Yes. All right. Um, Fat Joe. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Stick with the rappers. Bad Joe supports Donald Trump's Never Surrender kicks, but not his presidential campaign. Fat Joe, if I bled you says he has no issue purchasing Donald Trump's new golden high-top sneakers, even if he has zero intention of supporting his campaign. to be President Fat Joe showed these sneakers off. Donnie, give us audio. Once again, I'm not a Trumper. I dislike Trump. I'm not voting for him. Not now, not never. But I'm a sneaker collector into the art, so I had to find these. Now the mayor's gonna call me. Everybody's gonna call me and say, You wildin' out, Joe. Why you got the trunk? Look, mayor's the first one. Joe, you I'm a sneaker collector. I don't know what none of these guys did. I collect sneakers. 
the rarer the better. No, I didn't pay for these sneakers. Sorry. I didn't pay for these sneakers. They knew I had to have them because I'm the biggest in the game. What do you think, Rachel? <laughs> they knew you had to have them because just as they said, well, the blacks are going to get it because they, they love they love their sneakers. And I think Fat Joe is representation of every single thing that they were saying in regards Fat to... Fat Joe ain't black. That's right. <laughs> Always confused. <laughs> Wait, stop. You're right because we, I got on here for saying the it word. Yeah. Whatever. Minority. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Minority. They knew minorities would who love sneakers, their sneakerheads will run and be a representative of this. Even if he's not black, he is representative of the culture. I mean, he's he's a hip hop. He's a hip hop yes, legend. That's what yeah. I mean. He's hit my culture. Um, representative of the culture, but that this is exactly what they wanted. Okay, they sent you shoes. You know, if somebody had sent you some exclusive with a swastika on it, would you have gotten them by any means necessary because you're a sneakerhead and that's just what you do? Mm-hmm. Now they can use Fat Joe. Fat, we said Fat Joe sneakers. He's showing them off. They could use you in, you know, like their videos, their campaigns, and like this is how we're gonna. Like, I just don't understand how you don't how you don't get that the shoe, whether you bought it or not, whether you're voting for Trump or not, is a representation of Trump. And it gives reason for them to affiliate themselves with you or you with them just by simply having a pair of his sneakers. What are you going to do with them? Just co- like, are you that addicted to being a sneakerhead where it doesn't matter who produces these shoes or what the message means or what it represents that you have to have them? Mm-hmm. It's a MAGA hat for your feet. <laughs> yeah. It's a MAGA hat for your feet. The shoe is a MAGA hat for your feet. Yeah. The shoe is red hat that goes on your feet. Yeah. Trump knows that, which is why he put the shoe out. The shoe increases the visibility, the brand visibility, and uh, the cultural viability of Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, and I, I, there are sometimes things, a lot of things are, their shades are gray in them, right? But there are things that are also binary. And one of the things that is binary is that you cannot say that you are wearing that shoe and that that shoe is not an endorsement of Donald Trump. By the way, that's not the only thing that's an endorsement of Donald Trump. Anytime you use a Trumpism, mm-hmm. like everybody's saying fake news, everybody's saying all of this stuff, it, they're the, in, the embracing of Donald Trump, the mainstreaming of him into mainstream American cultural society is an endorsement of the way that he acts. It's an endorsement of the way that he comports himself. And as an extension of, the, of that, it's an endorsement of the things that he does. Mm-hmm. So the reality is this. Not just Fat Joe, but a lot of people. There's been a mainstreaming of Donald Trump in a way that makes him less radioactive. And his radioactivity is the only thing that you can count on him for. The fact that he wants to offend you the fact that he wants to grab power right in front of you, that he wants to rile people up and have them attack the Capitol, the fact that he wants to be disrespectful and gruff and he wants to have proximity to racists and anti-Semites and all of that stuff. Um, When you put those shoes on or when you buy those shoes or when you have those shoes, that is an endorsement of that. Why did he have to make a video? Nobody would have known. I know. they're going to wear them. But, but see, there's this, there's another thing we have to talk about. Like, we have to have a serious conversation about our rappers. 
I keep telling you guys this all the time. We have to have a serious conversation about our rappers. This is not a personal shot at any rapper or a purple, but understand when your entire life and career is centered around being rebellious in a way or being uh, dangerous in a way, you want to stay that way, even if you're just doing it around the margins. So you want to say things sometimes to incite people. Some, some of these people can no longer incite people or disrupt things with their music. So they disrupt them with their opinions online. They disrupt them with the things that they would do or the, per, the people that they would be around. And then they say, hey, I can do whatever I want to do. And that's the same way that when they were 24 or 25, they were saying, I can do whatever I want to do. I can say whatever I want to say. I can go wherever I want to go. And they can. And they can. But it's not so far removed from what Kanye did. Like, we have imbued, particularly hip-hop artists, with a gigantic cultural weapon. We will say, hey, their music speaks for us. Hey, the way they dress, the way they act, the way it speaks for us. But it was always, we thought, and it probably never was, in line with the way that we looked at the world. We grew up and then they didn't. So we started to understand that there are consequences for some of these things and they're still living in the same, they, they got money, they have uh, cultural gravitas, they have all of this stuff and then they just be doing shit. They just be saying shit and the rest of everybody else is looking like, God damn, what the fuck you got? What the fuck you mean? What's going on? Like, that's what you want now? Yeah. And something else. If there is a certain mentality that connects some of these brothers and sisters to people that might actually agree with them in parts of the black community, that's fine. I get that. But because you've been imbued with so much privilege, with so much money, with so much influence, so much visibility, I expect you to do better. I expect you, of to, course. I expect you to take it more seriously. I expect you to take it more seriously. I expect Fat Joe, who I've met before, talk with, great guy. I expect him to take that more seriously. I do. I expect him to know what that means. And I don't think that's an unfair expectation. Like, that's disappointing. I think, and I I think he would say, if, if he was sitting right now and you said that to him, I think he would say, well, I told everybody that I'm not a Trumper and I'm not voting for him. And not understand the connection mm -hmm. of one, getting the shoe, two, then letting the world know that you have this shoe. I have it's to have it. It's like, it makes it, it makes like the shoe like, a I'm thing. not racist, but you're literally doing something that's racist. It's the exact same thing no, to me. Like, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. It's like saying, I'm not racist, but I collect Sambo dolls. Thank you. Just because they're collectibles. Just, and, and, and the but, fact that you can't connect that is extremely problematic. Yeah. If you have the Sambo doll, you're a racist. Yeah. It doesn't matter how how rare a collectible is. I'm not a like you said. I'm not a racist. Uh, I'm not a Nazi, but I collect Nazi memorabilia. Some of that stuff is incredibly valuable. Yeah, and there are some people that have been found with some of that stuff. Well, the old boy who supports Clarence Thomas, but it also proves the point. What I was saying at the very beginning that we, as a culture, are people who are adjacent to the culture, right? Because um, that just I'm black but that are more concerned with material things. It can be swayed by material objects 
money, shoes, whatever it may be, um, uh, a certain lifestyle than they are about actually caring what affects the people. So this is what I'm saying though. And by the way, if you don't agree that this affects the people in a way, if you, it almost would be better. It would be significantly better if he actually was a Trump supporter. Then I can understand. Yeah, 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 of course. Because then it's like, hey, it's for my guy. But to, to do it and to, to me, empower that movement and that right. way of thinking and not even be for it just makes it, it's indicative of the recklessness that I'm talking about, right? That's the recklessness that I'm talking about. The recklessness that I'm talking about is, hey, I'm doing this just because it is boom, 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 boom. No one is going to get some headlines. No one's going to get some looks. No one's going to get some of that stuff. That's the recklessness that I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because if you support Trump, you fucking support Trump. It kind of is what it is. Look, man, I'm saying what you just pointed out. This is a class issue. This is an issue of solidarity across class lines. I was talking about before. A lot of the people that we're talking about are luminaries. They've moved past us, right? Well, actually, excuse me. They've moved away from us and they think that they've moved past us. You have to struggle and endeavor into stay solid with people the more access to American riches and influence that you get. The class issue inside of our culture needs to be dealt with because you have people with a, a different set of priorities and circumstances. You're a sneakerhead. You love sneakers. That's collecting. That's capitalism. That's access. That's rarity. That's all of those things. And that means more than potentially empowering someone, right? Very directly as a wearable endorsement, in my opinion, that might make the lives of black people worse. Now we can, if you want to debate whether or not Trump actually does that, I'm here for that debate intellectually. I believe that he does. I believe that he provides an existential threat to stability, not just within our community, but here in our, uh, in our country to the degree that we have that stability and actually geopolitically worldwide. And I love to have that debate with Fat Joe, with anyone else. It's fine with me. Don't, that doesn't, doesn't bother me whatsoever. If you're a Trump supporter, you're a Trump supporter. You can talk about why you are, why you're not. But if you're not, and you're still just going to fucking own the shoes, I would just wonder why. It's so interesting that you talk about him being a threat with the timing right now, with the Supreme Court agreeing to hear the case of whether or not he's totally immune as president from prosecution. Yeah, that nigga don't care. He's in the same position that Yahoo's in, which means they're going to do anything that they have to do to gain power or hold on to power because the minute they don't have it, probably be thrown under the jail. Speaking of Netanyahu, uh, Michigan primary, uncommitted. Won two delegates in Michigan. It's a victory for Biden's anti-war opponents. Now, if you guys don't know what this is, uh, the Michigan primary came up. Biden won the state, 618,000 voters. However, Rashida Tlaib, the first Palestinian-American woman to serve in Congress, uh, amongst others, had advocated for people in Michigan to vote uncommitted. This uh, write-in uncommitted uh, as a protest vote to the way things are going in Gaza right now, the ongoing massacre of Palestinians in Gaza that they want Biden to move away from. 
All right. 100,000 people voted uncommitted. That's wild. If anyone understands the demographics of Michigan, which I'm sure that you guys do, you're very uh, informed uh, listenership here at Higher Learning. You know that he won the state by around 154,000 votes uh, in the last election. You also know that Michigan has a very, very large um, Arab American Muslim contingent, particularly in Dearborn, where Biden, well, Biden actually lost the vote to uncommitted in Dearborn. Yeah, 56%, I think, voted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so here's the deal. In a state where the uh, margins are so thin, mm-hmm. do you think Biden's in trouble in Michigan? So Biden won by like 150,000 votes, mm-hmm. I think, last time. If that's the case, if these... So I've seen two sentiments, right? One is where some people who voted or committed are saying we're against the Trump presidency and we also want Biden to be better. If that means pushing him to his limit, then that is what it will take, which that sentiment doesn't necessarily say, hey, we won't vote for you in November, but it says we want you to hear us. But the other side of it is saying that they're not going to go with the whole thing that my guy is less evil than this guy. And they think it's a weak argument. And they're saying they're not going to take blame if Trump is elected um, because they're going to believe in the Democratic establishment and believe that they have the right to exercise their vote for the things that they need. So there's, there's people, there are people in the community that have been so affected by what's happening with Israel and Palestine that they believe that they've lost so much when it comes to their community that it doesn't really matter what happens here when it comes to a presidency. Mm. If that if that sentiment carries on and 100,000 people voted uncommitted and he only, and we know Michigan's always a flip state, um, a swing state, oof, y'all bear with me, a swing state, flip state. Uh, a swing state, then the fact that 100,000 100,000 people voted is scary. And it's also scary as other people are watching what happened and are watching this protest vote, particularly cities with big college towns. Like a lot of these students on these campuses are progressive Mm -hmm. and are against what's happening with this war. So they may also vote uncommitted and in the primary and why it might not affect Biden right now. If the sentiment carries for the latter of what I said, it can affect him in the election. Yeah. And I think it's something to watch. Are you concerned about his electability uh, moving forward because of what's happening right now in Gaza? I mean, I am. I think people are demanding, you know, for you to stand up and say uh, that was over the top. That's not enough. Mm -hmm. People want to see actions. They don't want to hear you anymore. They want to see you outright condemn what Netanyahu is doing. They want you to outright take away your support. A lot of people from Israel Mm-hmm. And they want you to acknowledge what has been happening uh, in Palestine. Yeah. And so I think that anything short of that, maybe two out of those three would get support towards Biden. But I think you're going to have to do two out of the three. I really do. I, I think people are over, which we talk about this, like it compares to having these conversations about what the black community is demanding, which is why I also find this very interesting, particularly your response to the Reddit post in regards to if your vote enough. Like I, you can't just vote. This goes beyond that, hmm. what they're doing. This is an example of that to demand what the, the person that they voted for, what they expect from them. 
I want to play something for you, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Donnie, I just sent you something. Did you get it? I did. I'm ready. All right. This is from a show that I love to watch called Rising. Mm-hmm. Robbie Suave, Rihanna Joy Gray. I made a rap song up to the Rising theme song. Of course you did. Like, I listened to it did so you much. send it to them? So I, I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to lay it down and then send it to Brianna and Robbie. Okay. Because it comes on. I like it. And I got, we rising, bitch. We rising. Okay, that's not going to make it. Okay, whatever. I'm going <laughs> to send it to them. So I want you to hear this, Rachel, from Michael De La Rosa, former Biden staffer for uh, not just Biden, but for First Lady Joe Biden as well. I think he's doing everything he can. I think nobody understands how pained people are more than Joe Biden. The guy is probably the most empathetic uh, president who's ever sat in that chair when it comes to people who are really struggling with pain, grief, loss, and really, um, and violence and genocide, essentially. Um, that said, it is, I struggle myself with whether, and I'm just playing devil's advocate, I'm not, I'm not no foreign policy expert, but I do struggle with whether a small part of one small community or a subset of the electorate in one state should determine our foreign policy. I don't know if that's necessarily healthy for the entire country. And would there be a focus uh, on Michigan's dissatisfaction if those communities were in California or Mississippi or somewhere else? Uh, It happens to be a swing state, and that's why we're talking about it. Um, but if those pockets of dissatisfaction were in non-competitive general election states, would we be focusing on it? That's breathtaking. And let me tell you why. You are listening to someone in real time, in my opinion, say that he wishes that actual Americans had less influence over the people that they were going to vote for. Mm -hmm. He goes, hey, well, should a small subset of Americans um, uh, in a place have say over foreign policy? Well, Americans everywhere should have say over their foreign policy, particularly Americans who that foreign policy is getting their loved ones uh, burned to death by white phosphorus murdered uh, on the streets of their homeland. Their homes turned to rubble. Uh, Their limbs blown off. All of that. It's part of who we are as Americans, allegedly. It's part of what we are as Americans. To have say and to use the political power that we have to leverage that power to affect not just this country, but America's place in the world in the way that we would want it to be, in the way that we want America to act. It's incredibly telling to me that someone with that type of purview and that type of proximity, at least in the past, to American power would lament how much power an Amer- a group of American citizens has. The version of America that we get sold, that we get told, is that we are uniquely powerful amongst citizens in the world. 
is that the system that we um that we're a part of and the system that governs us allows us to have the most agency um in being a regular citizen, an average citizen in any place on this globe. And then you have somebody sit there and they say, well, I think it's regrettable that a small group of people have that much say. That's what I'm talking about. When I watch that, fireworks exploded in my mind. That's what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about the way that the average American citizen is viewed, when I'm talking about the way that uh, people's priorities are viewed, the people in Michigan, I don't mean to speak for them, they're not voting on tax breaks. They're not voting on uh, tariffs. They're not voting on spending. They're voting on the worth of the lives of their relatives. They're voting on their history. They're voting on their present. They're voting on their future. Not in some amorphous, conceptual way. They're voting for who lives and who dies. I honestly don't think they, it, it went far enough, actually. But they're doing what they're supposed to do, right? So, I mean, the only reason why I say that is because there was some talk that, hey, we're voting uncommitted now, and then we'll vote for you in November. I'm just wondering how, awesome. how dire the threat actually is. But all I'm saying is this. When I listen to him talk about that, and when I listen to him say that, I don't know who Michael De La Rosa is. I'd never heard of him before he got on Rise. Yeah, the fucking people are supposed to decide the foreign policy. And they're supposed to use any means available to them to make their voices heard. Particularly when they're watching the horror that's unfolding over there right now. That's what they're, that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they're supposed to do. That is being an American. They, when I say they, I mean the American political establishment, and I don't care whether it's left or right, it vexes them that you could actually have any influence over them. It's vexing to them that your voice might matter more than their voice does. That's vexing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's like, well, well yeah, it's a small, yeah, they matter. They're in a swing state. Good for them. Good for everybody that lives in a swing state that gets to go out and vote on whatever the fuck they want to go. Minorities on either sides of the political argument. You got to talk to those people. You have to, you can't ignore those people. You can't ignore uh, uh, white people with Mountain Dew mouth in the Appalachians or in McDowell County, West Virginia. You can't, you can't ignore the niggas from South Baton Rouge. The black men and women from South Baton Rouge, excuse me to my brothers and sisters. You can't, you not supposed to ignore nobody. They're supposed to matter. Right. So deal with them. Go, yeah, your political future might hinge on what happens in Dearborn, Michigan. What are you going to do? Not what are they going to do? Once again, I keep trying to say this. Not what are they going to do? Right. What are you going to do? Right. That's fair to me. 
I think he said that because he's scared of what he saw happen in Michigan. I don't think Michigan represents a small number of how a lot of Americans view what's happening right now over there. And I think him saying that was to try to like deter it in a certain way. But when you look at what happened in Michigan and 13% voted that way, and this is a primary. So if that sentiment continues, it's only going to pick up across more primaries. We haven't even had Super Tuesday yet. And it's going to pick up towards November. And I think he's saying that out of fear because the reality is that's not how a small number group of people think. Mm -hmm. A lot of people feel that way. Right. And he's trying to diminish the momentum, which is why I believe he said that. Don't agree with him. I'm just thinking of it, looking at it as a different perspective is when you played that clip, I thought, oh, he's scared. He's actually scared that people may exercise their votes in a way that benefits their personal needs and interests and not just vote on party lines or what they're told to do. Mm -hmm. We haven't really seen that before. And so that's fear talking. Fear. That's what he represents. I know he doesn't work for the Biden administration anymore, but he's vocalizing out what I would say are their sentiments. If Biden's got to make a decision, that administration, they got to, they really have to figure it out. The podcast beat. The podcast beat. Mm. Uh, Joe Budden and Candace Owens have uh, um, a podcast episode coming up. Are you jealous? Jealous about what? You wish, you wish it was you and Candace talking? Oh, no, I wouldn't have any problem talking with Candace, but um, I'm not, like, clamoring. It was a back and forth to, like, to have her on. I know. She says that she doesn't get invited to black media a lot. So I, think I she know would why. Do, she would do a I don't lot think more it's... black media if she had the opportunity, she says. Okay, I, I can see why. I don't think that there's a way to have a productive conversation with a Candace Owens. And so, to me, it defeats the purpose. Now, you could say the same thing with Larry Elder, but he was running for president. So, to me, that made sense. She runs for president? Let's have a conversation on Interesting. Have a conversation with um, so the debate is this. You know, I, I'm not going to go back and forth to the set of circumstances that uh, led to her appearing on the show. Uh, Joe Budden said something on his podcast about her. She then replied on hers, and then she said, well, he, he said something to invite he her He said on. she was his new favorite. That's important. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't actually realize I hadn't even heard what he said. Is that yeah. what he said? He said that she was his new favorite, uh, one of his new favorite people. So then why did she react in... Okay, we have to play both audios now because I didn't realize that that had been said. Donnie, play what Joe Budden said. I really do feel bad that one of my new favorite people is Candace Owens. Not politically. I had to clear that up. But when she cuts that off and is just a girl, she is the funniest person on the planet. By far. She's like political Azalea Banks. Okay. Candace then responded. And uh, this is what she said. Ooh, Joe Budden, you better have meant it because I was watching. I'm watching. I just watched it again. Actually, I think I've watched it now about three times. And I'm going to take you up on your offer publicly. So now you can't you can't do anything squirmish. You can't be like, oh, no, I'm not going to have you. I will definitively join your podcast and we can talk. And one of the things we're going to talk about is why every time any person in black media or any black commenter on the, in the internet agrees with me. They always have to do that thing in the beginning. Oh, I just want to be clear. I don't agree with her politically. I don't think I agree with her politically. I don't get it. It's, it's like a, a weird prayer that you have to say so that what? You'll still be accepted by black people and you're still allowed to comment on black issues as long as you say that you don't agree with Candace Owens. I'd like to know what it is that you don't agree with when it comes to my politics or why everyone feels compelled to say that. So they're going to do an interview. Mm -hmm. 
And there's been talk about it. Lots of consternation from people over the interview. I don't know if the rest of the crew, Ice-ish, Melissa Ford are going to be on this interview. Uh, I saw something on um, Twitter that said, hey, shout out to the rest of the hosts for not being on it. But I didn't see anything that said that they wouldn't be on it. So, Yeah, they posted a picture. It was just the two of them. So I'm going to assume it's just a sit down with the two of them. Might be, but at the same time, <clears throat> just because they posted a picture with the two of them doesn't mean that she's not going to be on there with everybody else. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so she posted that photo and then Peter Rosenberg, uh, all reliable, he, <laughs> he had something to say about it. He said, so sick of the idea that conversations need to be had with bigots, <laughs> trolls, and immoral a-holes. Exchanging ideas among smart, good people is useful. Hearing a hateful hack babble on about hate is not worth anyone's time. Candace responded, responded to Rosenberg. Literally, who the hell is at Rosenberg Radio? We grew up one of the wealthiest towns in America. To step to two black people who came from nothing to tell them they shouldn't speak. Who the hell is Peter Rosenberg? Serious question. Peter Rosenberg, I would like to invite you to shut the hell up when black people are speaking with one another. She concluded, Peter, Peter Rosenberg is a plantation supervisor. His dad, MJ Rosenberg, worked on Capitol Hill for Democratic senators and House members for 20 years and then worked with APAC six years thereafter. You think she's funny? That like was Joe. Funny. That was funny. Uh, a plantation supervisor is funny. It's not fair, but it's funny. So look, this is what I would say. Um, all right, two things. Number one, if the... I'm not offended by Joe, Joe Budden talking to Candace Owens. Not in the least. Because you haven't seen the interview yet. Right? You haven't watched it yet. You haven't seen it. You don't know what happened. So I'm not in any way... I wasn't offended when Tucker Carlson decided that he was going to the Kremlin to, to, to interview Vladimir Putin. Now, I think a lot of people had trepidation about what direction the interview would go in. Of course. And whether or not Tucker would, A, be able to handle an ex-KGB agent with the mind of Vladimir Putin or whether or not he wanted to even handle him. Whether or not it would be a serious interview or a filibuster session whereby uh, a brutal autocrat is able to get his shit off basically unchallenged. And it ended up being the latter. Tucker got worked. I don't think that he had very much for Putin. And he spent the rest of his time in Moscow talking about how nice the grocery stores and uh, the uh, public transit was. All right? So most of the people that had suspicions about whether or not that would be a serious interview that really interrogated anything about how Vladimir Putin looks at the world or the war in Ukraine or our relationship with, with Russia, I think those people were proved right by the interview. There are a lot of people that are saying Joe can't handle this. Either he can handle it or he can't, right? And so if he sits down and uh, he has a conversation with Candace Owens and the conversation is conciliatory, if he's in over his head, it wouldn't be the first time someone sat down with her and they were in over their head then you can uh, you can criticize it. The very act of having the interview in the first place, to me, I actually look at it as black people talking to one another. And like the way I look at that, she has problematic ideas. You don't believe that she is genuine. You think that she's a grifter. You think that she's a troll. It's a lot of grifters and a lot of trolls. 
and a lot of people out there. I would say that there are people that have probably come on Hot 97, and this is not Dissa Rosenberg because I think he's entitled to his opinion, and I'm not saying that he's wrong, but there are probably people that have come on Hot 97 that then had assault charges and all kinds of different stuff, and it's shot. I mean, I'm just looking at it okay, like if we start setting that type of litmus test. That's not that's not the test to me. What's the test? Well, okay, because here's the thing. It's not having a conversation with someone who has different political views than you, right? Okay. Like we've done that. Those when you have a conversation with like a Kamal, you don't necessarily agree. Camille. Camille you just excuse me, no disrespect. Camille. Kamal, damn. <laughs> Made it sound more black. Yeah. Um He don't like that. He don't that, want that. Even <laughs> even though we fundamentally agree on so many things. It's still like a calm, educated conversation. I don't look at him as a liar. I don't look at him that, that he truly believes those things and not necessarily it comes across as you're just being representative of the black conservative to make money or whatever. I don't look at him as a grifter. My problem with, I do have a problem with black media or anybody sitting down with Candace Owens because I don't understand the purpose of it. If the purpose is to like, you want to challenge her and make her look a certain way and like factually come at her with everything that she says, because she loves to throw out statistics too, like Larry Elder and you, and you say to her, like that happened in the interview that we had, that this isn't true, this isn't true. If that's your purpose, fine. I just don't understand giving that particular person, she's different, any type of recognition or a platform that She'll say things and they'll pick it up and say, oh, she did this with, with, with Joe or, oh, she said this in this interview or Candace, Candace Owens stands up to black. It's not going to be us necessarily big upping her. It's going to be them. Candace Owens is anti-black. She is only black in appearance. That's it. And she might not even identify as black. I don't even know. Everything Candace Owens represents is against black people. Mm-hmm. You look at her greatest hits. She's against BLM. She called George Floyd, uh, talked about him be, uh, having a drug overdose and that he wasn't murdered. She's called black Americans the most murderous people in America. She mocked Juneteenth and called it ghetto and made up. She stood in front of Congress and said that if she had to list a hundred things that were impacting minority America, white nationalism wouldn't be one of them. Candace Owens represents the black person who gives people an excuse or gives people a reason to excuse their racism or give them the freedom to be racist. I just don't understand platforming her particularly at all. I understand that. So let me look at it. Let me tell you like this. So number one, that's just not how I am. I get it. Because you like to debate. Well, I just think that disinfectant, that light is the best disinfectant, right? I think that you can talk to, you can talk about Candace Owens all you like. You can talk about people like Candace Owens all all you like. But I think particularly when you're in front of someone, I mean, when we talked to Larry Elder, Larry Elder's unseriousness like jumped out through the camera. It did. It jumped out through the camera. It bursted out through the camera. And we, by the way, we didn't come to fight him. The question is, I mean, we've had other uh Interviews here go bad. The the Emmanuel Acho interview go bad, it went bad. Now, not to bring him back into it, but there are a lot of people who feel about him the way they feel about Candace Owens. They just feel like he's a diet version of that. I don't think that that's true, but I won't know until I talk to him, right? So if I talk to him and it goes the way that it goes, I have no problem with that. I have no problem with the way that it, I don't have any problem with a tough conversation. I don't have a problem with someone that's insincere. I get why people do, 
I don't have a pro- having a problem. I don't have a problem having a conversation with someone who's insincere because I think that if you're insincere, that your insincerity I- I- exposing it is very useful to people. It's useful to people who are particularly young and black. Forget about the 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 part of Candace Owens that is represented on the Breitbart's and Turning Point and all of that. You're never going to get those people, so forget about them. Who cares what they think? But if there are people who are looking to make their mind up about the way that they view the world and Candace's ideas don't hold water, or even if the ideas do hold water and she doesn't comport herself in a way that's commiserate with a love for community. Tell you something like this. When there is a black person on the show, what I'm going to try to do when I'm talking to a black person is I'm going to try to to show cultural love to them. That means empathy. That means understanding. As much as I can. I don't do a good job all the time. And and that also means uh, a, a meeting of the minds in a way that says, hey, even if you're wrong, we can get to somewhere because we both should have the health of our community uh, in the back and front of our minds, right? To me, even talking to someone amongst black people, not a white person talking to a black people, even talking to someone, when it becomes obvious that that person, even if they have the right statistics, even if they have the right intellectual talking points, even if they have some shit to back the shit up that they're talking about, when it becomes obvious that that person doesn't love black people, that that person doesn't have any skin in the game when it comes to, that they don't know how to talk to black people, that they don't know how to act around black people, that they don't know how to sit, that they don't understand, that, they're, that they have othered themselves to the point to where you know that they don't have a cultural love or allegiance to black people. I think that's useful. And I think that you can only get that a lot of times when you're talking to another black person, when you're having a conversation with another black person. She's done it on her um, on her uh, podcast a lot. She's invited black people on, but she doesn't get to be in black rooms. So her martyring herself and saying, I'm opt out, I'm an op, they don't want to talk to me, they're scared of me, there's this, you throw gasoline on that flame. And then people start to wonder, okay, well, what are black people afraid of? Can black people have a conversation with the Candace Owens without getting emotional? Can And these are conversations that we have, right? Particularly now when the Trump era MAGAisms are gaining so much steam amongst black people, allegedly. Um, I personally don't think there's anything wrong with it. I understand when people don't want to do it. I'm not saying that they're wrong but I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, This also goes back to the way I view people and the way they're dealing with President Trump himself. They're giving you less President Trump on places like MSNBC, on places like CNN, a little bit more now that he's going to be the presumptive candidate, that he is the presumptive candidate, should I say. I think that's bad. I think it's bad. I think you should over-Trump us. I do think you should cover President Trump because you're hiding bruises in black eyes if you don't. Yeah. If you don't give people a dose of the medicine that turns their face all ugly, then to me, it gives cover to how grotesque he is. You know what I mean? Like, it, to that, that to me is what I don't like. People get to, they get to operate like unmolested, right? They get to, with, with, with anything like, I, I personally don't think that that's the way to do it. 
once again, but I also go throughout the world unafraid of what someone has to say, unafraid of being wrong myself, unafraid of hearing something from somebody that's wrong. And once again, I'm not saying that I'm not calling anybody pussy. What I'm saying is that to me, I don't necessarily think that platforming Candace Owens makes Candace Owens more powerful because I think her ideas are bad. I think the more conversations she has with people that can point that out, the better. Maybe I'm wrong. I will say this though. Even this conversation with Joe and Candace has a lot to do not with whether or not just all it is what that we're talking about is real or fake. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think if if it's a two-hour sister-girl conversation where he gets railroaded and all of that stuff, then it it was it was a wasted opportunity and it was probably bad. But until I've seen it, I can't really judge it on what the deal is, right? This is what I would say though. You're probably gonna see more stuff like this in podcasting, and I'll tell you why. That's because of Shannon Sharp. So Shannon Sharp has become a diet rogan. He's going, he's doing crazy numbers. And I think that you're gonna see in podcasting period more interviews that you wouldn't have seen before, more celebrity interviews, more interviews with controversial figures that might give you a Cat Williams moment. You're going to see more interviews with people that might say things that, you know, take social media over, right? You're going to see more interviews like that because there are probably a lot of people that are looking at what Shannon's been able to do and looked at the last six weeks the two months that he's had and they feel like they want to recreate that because we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of views anymore with what's going on in Club Shay Shay. We're talking about millions of views whenever he's dropping. We're talking about we're getting consistently a million, two million like types of situations. We're talking about consistently having people on there, interviews with like people that people really want to talk to, Johnny Manziel's and different people like that. And so I think that that competition, particularly in 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 in, in black podcasting, is going to make people take some interviews that you wouldn't have seen them take before. Maybe, um, I, and I I think that that's the thing. So, what I'm saying is this: if you don't like that, criticism of the interview is not going to help. If you don't like that, the only thing you can do is ignore it. Like that's the only thing that you can do. I. I my therapist told me this. Shout out to Coley. I know people know this. I'm not breaking any news. The opposite of love isn't hate. What is it? Love. It's indifference. Oh, oh yeah. It's indifference. If you do not like anyone that is being platformed or anyone that is being, if you don't like Jason Whitlock, if you don't like Candace Owens, if you don't like the quarter, Glenn Lowry, whomever, those guys are more intellectual, whatever. If you if you don't like any of those people, whomever it would be, the only thing that you can do that is effective, the only thing you can do that is effective is ignore them. Which is why I don't want her on here. That I get with. If you don't like them, you the only thing you can do is ignore them. So if that's the point, I get it. I get it. To me, I would still I know you do. Rather have the conversation. I know. 
I mean, we also, at the, when we started this podcast, there was a point where we were like, we're not going to bring her up to talk about her anymore. Yeah, we're we're talk about, we don't, we don't really of, talk part, about people part, no, that, are, that are trying. Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. don't talk about people that are trying to, to, to get us worked up. Okay, before we go, I got I to gotta ask you about one picture. Did you see the picture? What picture? We got to get some man-woman stuff going on the podcast real quick. No, that picture, gotta, I thought you were talking about Luther. No. And I said that in the chat. Mm-mm. You're talking about the woman proposing? So I'm We've tell, seen this before. Have we not talked about this? I'm going I'm to tell you guys what happened. I've seen I the picture. I saw this picture. I posted it on the internet. I saw a woman, and it might be AI. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a woman. She's down on her knees, and she was going for her forever, man. And it says, lady, don't wait for him to propose. Do it yourself. Real love right here. Donnie, show him the picture. It's a woman. She looks so happy to have found her king. Good for her. And she's proposing. She's down on one knee. She's putting the ring on his finger. How many fingers does he have? I got to see because it might be AI. How many fingers does he have? It might be AI. So he might have like six fingers. Nah, it's definitely AI. Look at this nigga hands. It is definitely AI. Um. Rachel, do you have a problem with women proposing? I don't. Why do you think women have a problem with women proposing? Some of these, some of these, uh, <laughs> some of these comments from women under this is crazy. Let it's a hear. fuck no from me, but I'm single. What the fuck do I know? Uh, I'd rather <laughs> shit in my, I am Mary Pryor. Shout out to Mary. Mary said, I'd rather shit in my hands and clap. Jesse said, Jesus. Jungle Jesse said, I'd rather wrestle a hip up. Uh, <laughs> Lauren LaRosa shout out to Lauren I would rather sleep these are all people I know by the way I would rather sweep the beach with my tongue <laughs> Um. so why is this such a why do you feel like women have such a problem proposing to a man it's obvious that this is one of those gender roles that have been it's something that's been ingrained of, in us that in our society that this is how it's supposed to be done I mean, even having to have a proposal, having to have the ring, having to have the wedding and all of that, it's just been ingrained and it's supposed to be something where the man gets down and, you know, confesses his love and makes the decision and takes charge. And that's just something that's been there. So like, I feel like we've talked about this before on the podcast, but that's just, I don't think that that's ever going to change in our society. I think that's that's something so like little girls, at least millennials, like this Gen Z can maybe tell me something different. I'd be curious to know how old this couple is, even though you said they're AI. It might be AI. Um, young girl, millennials grew up, you know, fantasizing about what their proposal would look like and how it would be done. And it was never even a thought that the woman could do it first. Mm-hmm. So that's carried into how we are now, now that we're of the age of being Propose to. I personally don't want to propose to a man. So, you know, call, say it what you want. I would rather... Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I would rather him do it for me. It's not, I'm not against somebody doing that. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like it sets a standard. What's the standard? That you're the one taking the initiative. That you're the one... So the man should be the one taking the initiative is what you're saying. Well... 
No, yes, yes and no. It should be both. But this is this is something I believe that should be led by a man. It should be I, led should be led by a man. I what what a else should be what else should be led? No, nah, I believe man? a proposal should come for a man. That's me. That's what I want. That's what I want. I'm not judging people who do it the a different way or who maybe make the decision together. Like, hey, I think we should get married. Okay, let's get married. Like that's however however people decide to do it is fine. My preference, can we call it a preference? I would like for the man to do it rather than me taking charge and doing this is what i think i think everyone can do whatever they want sure everyone can do whatever they want how would you feel if the woman got down on a knee and proposed to you with a ring no you wouldn't like it really rock you know but look but why wouldn't you like it i no i wouldn't i wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever if if a woman proposed to you you'd be okay with that yeah what what the fuck difference does it make look here's the thing my thing is this and maybe i'm too much of uh, a linear thinker but either we doing gender roles or we not. What I don't like is the is the adherence and acceptance of some gender roles, but not others. So let me ask you this. Is that if I have a preference for the way that I want things to be done, right? If I have a preference of like, I like my hair short rather than long, or I like this rather than that. My preference is that I'm the one accepting. I want the ring on my finger. I want him to do it. That's fine. That's my preference. Everybody can have a preference. That's and fine. just because it's between a man and a woman, does it, I, I just feel like that's more of um, a desire, how I want my proposal to look, right? Do I want it to be private or do I want it to be public? Do I want him to do it or do I want me to do it? I'm mm-hmm. not judging other people that do it a different way. I'm not judging them either. And I'm not judging anybody that wants anything. I think there are reasons why people have preferences. And I think that there's a lot of, uh, of him and hawing because look, I want logic in this. So this is what I want. I want to be helpful at the end of the day. No, you don't. I do. You I want to be, be helpful. No, no, no. I want to be helpful. I want to be helpful. I want to help people get out of their own way. And that's very important. It's very important to me that people don't, myself included, it's very important for me that people don't say one thing and then do everything else on the other side to affect what it is they want. So when you say that you want, like when we talk about black people, right? We're having conversations about black people. We want to be treated as equals. We want equity and equality and all of that. But we still sometimes kowtow to white people in terms of respectability. No, forget about white, forget about white people. Forget about them. How do you feel about you? Not whether or not we embarrassing ourselves, embarrassing ourselves in front of you. You can't at one point to me feel like you want complete agency and power and then at the same time be so caught up in worrying about what the dominant culture thinks about you. So this is what I would say about this. There's certain things that I want out of a partner, right? And certain things signify, an action signifies or validates or supports the things that I want from a partner, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't mean, and I would listen to what my partner wanted from me. And mm-hmm. it might be some of the same, it might be the same things. They might want security, safety. Um, they might want all those things. I would give that to them if this is the person that I want to be with, even if it doesn't fit into the gender role of what a woman's supposed to be or a man is supposed to be. I also want, would like an emotional sensitive man. Does that necessarily mean fit in the gender role? Maybe not traditionally, it doesn't. So uh, to me, you taking initiative and getting down on a knee and saying, this is what you want, 
fits into line with the things that I want from my significant other. More than this is how it's supposed to be done, it's what I want for myself. I accept that. This is my only thing that, that uh, this is a question that I keep asking that I can't get an answer to. What are you supposed to do? I just said, it depends what my partner wants. Yeah, but that's not, no, that that's is, not a sufficient answer. And that I'll tell is you, true. And I'll tell you, and no, I, that and, is and, true. And, and, because and then, you, then you're assigning roles. If, you're, if I tell you exactly what I'm supposed to do, then that's a role. It depends on who I'm but, with. But you, this is, the, this is the thing. You have expectations and the expectations that you have or the preferences that you have, if we're being honest, are clearly based on traditional gender roles. No, because I'm not fully there. there I want my husband to help out with, around the house. Is that a, that's a gender role that's okay, specific, okay, okay. specifically so, so, assigned so, to women? So, so look, I haven't said every so, single I, I thing know. I want. So what I'm saying is this. So we've talked about it before on the podcast. You want a husband that can financially take care of you, right? I, if I'm not, wait, 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 not financially take care of me in the sense that they have to make more than me. I want them to be a provider. You want them to be a provider? Yeah. Okay, so like, let's... De- I'm providing too. Let's deconstruct. That's one thing. No, I don't want you to do this all the time. I'm too <laughs> sick to do this. To well, do this. what I'm saying... No. We do this all the time. I also want my man to help out with the kids. I want him to have to clean around the so house. So do you see what I'm saying? But the... But so, I would do it too, Van. But, That's what I'm but, saying. But, 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 you, but, but you, you wouldn't... You want to Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But you, you would do all of that stuff, but you wouldn't propose. So what I'm saying is... There's, so, so look, so this is all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's actually what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is there's a clear expectation and a clear uh, preference that a man adhere to some gender roles or else a woman can't feel secure. What I would say, though, is that there's almost nothing in a relationship between two people, be it platonic or be, be it romantic, that's not a trade-off. Sure. And so, and so what I would say is either we do away with the gender roles or we go with them. But having like a gender role mishmash, it's going to make people unhappy. Because what I, what, what I see in my comments, like I saw other women that I saw women in my comments that was like, yo, I like I if, if that's the case, like, wh- why don't I just take the trash out? kill the roaches and do all that stuff. But that's her. And all I'm saying is right now, I mean, you're single, you're doing that stuff now. So, so, so what I'm saying, so what I'm saying is when a, when a man comes into your life and he fills the void of what a man is supposed to do, what, are you going okay? So to here's do? my thing. You so want to make this an objective point of view, like like we either all get. It's like to each their own. I would never say that. So here's my thing too. Mm. You want to get hung up on me saying I want a man to provide financially. I want to be able. I think that's it's, fair. It's not even that. It's I, think that's I want fair. a part. It's more than a man. It's I want a partner. I want somebody I can lean on. They can lean on me. Mm-hmm. So if you financially can't step up in a certain way because everything's go up and down, then I want you to step up and be a partner in the household. How are you helping out? So like, hey, I know that you've got the job and you have to work all these hours and you have to travel and you have to do this. I need you to step up and say, hey, while you're doing that, I'm going to take care of the house and I'm going to provide for you in other ways. This is why it's so hard to have this conversation because it's subjective. It's to each their own. Each relationship is different and each person requires something different. And that, and what I just described to you is a reversal of the gender roles, but it's about being a partner Let me ask at you a the question. end of the day. Let and I think you. people need to focus on that more. I agree. You're not wrong. You're spitting. Let me ask you one question now. 
what does a man getting down on one knee and proposing to a woman that's a preference but what is it to you yes it does it it does it's it can i also say this i typically find that men can be more indecisive like than women i'm a very decisive person so maybe i'm just i'm I'm very when it comes to commitment and relationships no 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 hold on this is this what i would say hold on It, it it if a if a if a man is indecisive about whether or not he wa- he does he wants to be with you, it's very easy. But, he doesn't. But but but, but, <laughs> so, but no. But so my point it, is, it, it's like, it, like it, oh, I'm not ready, or oh, I'm not this. Like I oh, see a lot so, of well, that. Oh, even when you say oh, I'm not ready, that means you brought it up. Because I'll tell you straight up, another thing that I would tell women just quite blankedly, if if like that's another thing. Once again. We're not on the same page. If a man is indecisive about whether or not he wants to wife you I or get be with it. you, he doesn't want to do it. But this is where you say men are from Mars, women are from Venus, because women are fixers. And women, and this is the problem that we do as women. We say we don't listen to it straight up. It's why the whole thing of he's just not that into you exists. Y'all are very straightforward about what it is. As women, we'll say, well, I can fix that. Or let me give him some time. We'll make excuses for you because there's this it's it's within us this nurturing aspect more than you guys have because we're wired different and that's true where we'll give you time we'll give you space we'll we'll reason it out when you're constantly telling us that you're not ready and i think because that exists between men and women for a man to say boom this is what i want mm-hmm. i need that and that to me is getting down on one knee and saying it right. cuz if i do it i'm like do you, did you want it did you not want it? He's, still, he's thinking the same thing. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. He's thinking I, the same. And thing. maybe he is. He's taking I'm a chance. Just telling you he's what like, I mean. He's taking a chance. All I'm saying is this: like, what I feel like is, and I'm not a woman, but what I feel like is, the reason why this exists is because it comes from a time when a man had to establish his family. Sure. So he asks you to marry him because then you become a part of what he is. You take on his name. You take you know? on his name. Yeah. You have his children. You It's so funny. Women don't have their children. They have his children. You take on his name. You do all of that stuff, right? Like he goes and gets what he wants and then you become a part of his thing. Yeah. You become a part of his family and all of that stuff. If we want to re-examine that, I'm cool with that. I really am if we want to re-examine that. What I'm not cool with is re-examining half of it and then saying, hey, you do this and then I'll do whatever I want and support me or your misogynist. Because then then you start to, then, you know what that leads people? Then it's like, all right, well, I'm a hit host forever. <laughs> I mean, which, no, which they don't even like to do that because niggas get lonely, the hair starts to fall out. <laughs> and then after they, I've seen it happen. Y'all know who I'm talking about. I've seen you. We were, we're good friends and I love you. But you told me 2010 that you would never settle down. And then we had a conversation and you was like, bruh, I don't even, I just want to be in the house. Now I wish. I'm like, oh, now you, now you wish. Oh, not Mr. Sexy Man. Who is this? <laughs> you don't know. Like, not Mr. Sexy Man. Now you wish. I know, it, I knew it was coming. I knew the day was coming. It's coming. You want it. You want to be a part of something, the family. I get it. But all I'm saying is it's good to have these conversations because I think now with people making so much noise about this, I think we should reevaluate 
just how much work each side has to do to eliminate patriarchy. Sure. You don't care. Mailbag. Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh, it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in. All right. Uh, first question is from Adori25. This is a violent one. They ask, <laughs> who would win in a fight between Rachel or Charles? That's what? Charles Holmes. I know who Charles is and yeah. I would never fight Charles. So this is my question. This is my I don't know what kind of hands Charles has. Why would somebody ask me this? So this is my this is my issue here. There's part of me that can't see Charles winning a fight. However, has Charles been in a fight? I'm sure he has. However, Charles has training. Then I'm I'm out. Charles has martial arts training. Oh, well, what are we doing here? And then Charles also was a high school wrestler. So how could you not see him winning a fight? Because it's just the disposition. Because Charles is not pussy at all. Like, no. not even like 1%. But I could also see Charles being like, get the fuck out of my face. And like, just getting but out of there. He's not pussy. Patriarchy. He's not pussy. Patriarchy. I, look, pussy. I, I call people. I own up to my shit. I'm just trying to get to the race. Well, got work to do. I definitely um, got work to Charles do. Charles will win in a fight. Easy. He got training. Easy. I'm, scra- ever, I'm scrapping. Have you had fights? Oh, you told me about the fight yeah, you had in I'm, Vegas. I'm, in the bathroom. I'm scrapping. Vegas. Didn't you have a fight in the bathroom in Vegas? It was Dallas. It was Dallas. In <laughs> Strip Club. All right. Charles says Rachel. I mean, Rachel says Charles. Go ahead, Donnie. Next one. All right. Next one is from uh, Bubblepedic. This one's positive, I guess. Maybe. What is something that makes you optimistic about the future? I can't answer that question right now. So I give the youth a lot of shit, but I do like the ideas that the youth has. The sort of utopia that they expect society to be, I think is interesting. I think they're ill-equipped to make it happen, toughen up a little bit, but the fact that I see young people re-examining how things should be is actually very, uh, it's cool to see that they're thinking about their world this much. Because mm-hmm. when I was 25, I was just thinking about getting it. Thinking about getting it. Getting it. But, um, That's nice. I think, yeah. they, I, think they need to, I think they need to toughen up a little bit. If they really want to change, they're probably going to have to get it in blood. You're not going to email your way into change. You're not going to tweet your way into it. You're probably going to have to take some take some heads off, fuck some faces up. But at least they want to be better. Because I'm going to be honest with you. My parents, they didn't really want to be better. They wanted to, hey, look, you're going out there, go outside. Just remember, everybody's trying to kill you now. Go have some fun. What? Hey, Van, love you, boy. Just remember, when you go in, out with your little homies. Everybody's trying to kill you. The niggas in the neighborhood trying to kill you. The cop, the police trying to kill you. They try to kill you in the water. They try to kill you from the sky, from the sea, from the weeds. Everyone's trying to kill you, son. So I want you to go out and have a good time and not have anxiety or anything like that. Just know that everyone wants you dead because you're black. Have fun. That's my life. What's the next question, Donnie? <laughs> uh, the next one is about parents. Uh, Cantaloupe Steve asks Cantaloupe Steve what's a moment 
Cantaloupe Steve. Yeah, I think that's a dope name too. What's a moment where you felt yourself becoming more like your parents? Rachel, the first nigga you put in jail? <laughs> what are you talking about? That was the DA. I didn't put, he was not the DA. He, was, he, he wasn't the DA? Mm-mm. I don't, I, and I haven't put anybody in jail. When did I? I don't know. You're a lot like I, your parents to that's me. That's a good question. You don't know my parents. But I, I know, from what I know <laughs> of them. You think so? Yeah. Your dad has this like strength and wisdom, you know? I'm really trying to think. I don't know. You know, when you became like your parents? I do know. Go- oh, there's like a moment? Yep. So, I, back in the day, I had made a mistake and um, and they cut the cable off. Because mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Like, I thought, so, you know, they used to have the cable boxes. They don't have yeah, them anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, I, they had the cable box and you had to switch the cable box out, but I didn't do it in time and the old box wouldn't work with the new thing that they were doing, so they cut the cable off. So I remember I stopped on my way back from TMZ to pay for the new box and to arrange for them to come do the thing. I mean, I'm standing in the cable thing, and I'm like, uh, I'm like, yeah, so I paid them. And I was like, all right, so what time y'all coming out here to, to pay the cable? <laughs> and the guy goes, we'll be there next Saturday. I'm like, next Saturday? And he was like, yeah, we'll be next, next, next Saturday. It takes, it, it takes like seven days to process the request and get somebody out there. I remember in the thing, I went, it didn't take y'all no goddamn seven days to cut it off. Why would it take you seven days to turn it back on? And it was so country and old that everybody <laughs> laughed. <laughs> <laughs> they was so country and old. It's, and I had, had heard my dad say the exact same thing. It was so country and old that they laughed and everybody laughed. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and he was, like, he was like, sir, I'm going to see if there's a tech in your area. Just take this new box with you. I'm going to see if there's a tech in your area. We're going to try to get it done today. Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And that's, that is what, like when I started caring about stuff like that, just the ease of doing stuff. Yeah. Just how hard you're making something. Like just the ease of it, pause. Just like how hard you're 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 making something. You know what I mean? Double pause. Just like it, the ease of it. When I start complaining about that, that's when. I guess that I don't have a moment, but I understand what you're saying. You know, because I'm like now I don't have time for the bullshit. I just I, when I <laughs> so dumb. when I pay for something, I just want what I pay for. Like, just... You expect things to be a certain way. Just do the shit right. And when I was a kid, didn't really matter. You had more patience. I was more patient. So like, whatever, you, like, whatever, whatever. It's like, now, I'm not a dick about it, but I'm like, hey, man, I know y'all could be better than this. I know you could do better. I know things could be better. Call somebody up, trying to make a payment over the phone. And let me tell you something else. Last thing I'll say about this. This is kind of like when you you get more conservative, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And you have to check yourself. You do. You really have to check yourself because now... That's true. Yo, I'm exhausted. I'm this, I'm that. I'm calling somebody up to help me over the phone with something. If there are glitches in communication, like, I start to get a little like, hey, God damn it. 
Like, I ain't got all day to be doing it. I'm sure they've, wit- they've witnessed it. You're like, well, I'm like, hey, <laughs> God damn it. I ain't got time to be going through all this. What the fuck? But you, hey, man, don't be that guy. Bring it down. I'm going to start responding to you like that. Bring man, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Hey, man. bring it down. Bring it down. Bring it down. Anyway, and that's how my dad was. Maybe it's when I started sending angry emails. I get what you mean about like things need to be in order. I remember when I was a kid, because my dad does not like to type on the computer. So there was a response that he would want to give and he would ask my mom if she could help him type it. And, you know, like when he was done with the shits and he would like need to like put somebody in order or like have, he'd always have his points lined out and exactly how he wanted to say it in particular. And everything was like a not a case, but like an argument, right? Like the issues, how you're taught to think in, in law school, Iraq, the issues, the rules, the application, the conclusion. They teach you to be down for Iraq. It's spelled I R A C. I knew they was fucking radicalizing y'all. And when I started doing schools. that and getting excited about it, mm-hmm. getting excited about typing up an email where I was going to put somebody in their place, I'm like, I become my father. That's another thing, real quick, before we go, that I know, because like it used to be Friday's coming. Like, what are you excited about? Man, we going out to yeah, bar. We going out yes. to chill. Whatever. Like, Friday's coming. Van, what are you excited about? Look, I'm excited about this new documentary on the History Channel that's coming on. It's called Ancient Aliens 5. Where do we come from? I'm going to sit down from 1 to 7. I'm going to watch the first three Ancient Aliens, then Ancient Aliens 5 with, with a nice beverage and just chill. Or, or taking Sundays to get your mind right, ready for the week. Or like seeing stuff that come on and you're so excited. It, it, it's like the temptations is on. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Every time. Oh my God. The temptations is going. Maybe I can catch it but when David Ruffin comes to, for dinner because that's when the movie really takes that's, off. That is exactly that's when the movie really takes off. Takes so off. When, when, when the temptations is on, I'm not doing nothing. Van, you want to? Nah, man. Temptations is on. Anyway, we got to go. Uh, look, thank you guys um, for everything and listening and all of that stuff. Uh, we'll see you again Monday. Next week, South by Southwest, you going? I'll be there. What are you doing there? I'm speaking, uh, moderating a panel for Vote.org. Vote.org? Yeah. Who are you going to tell people to vote for? Biden? I don't think that's my job. I'm moderating. But nah, if, no, if the opportunity no. presents itself, actually, a part of what Vote.org is is not telling people how fuck they should fuck vote. Fuck Vote.org then. Hey, treat Vote.org like y'all be treating me. Fuck them. They, who cares who you vote? Vote for who? It should be voteforbiden.org or Keep it doesn't even matter. that same energy with your boy. Who? Don't, not, not vote.org. We talk, hey, I'm telling you right now, this is what we're being told. So look, vote.org, I'm calling you out right now, vote.org. Stop. I'm, call, like, I'm, I'm calling you out. Who are you, you on a panel for? Huh? Who are you on a panel for? The Black Twitter documentary. Niggas. So shout out to everybody out there. Shout out to Carrie Twig and Culture House and Prentice Penny and Jawad Jacoby and everybody we're going out there. Onyx, Hulu, all of that. We're going to talk about Black Twitter. I got a special cowboy hat for Austin. You bring a cowboy Get hat? Alone, little doggies. That's me. I'm my name. Um, my name next week is not Van. It's Perry Potluck. When are, when yeah. is your panel? Oh, I actually don't know. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is Friday. If you're in South by Southwest, come check it South out. South by Southwest. We'll be there. Get alone, little doggies. <laughs> all right, uh, we gotta go. Take the gas off. Now stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. <laughs> I'm Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys.